reading John 10, 11 to 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Word of God for the world. Will you pray with me? Oh God, our kind shepherd, oh Jesus, our brother sheep, help us remember when we are caught up with all the voices that we hear. Help us to remember the voice that calls to our true self so that when it feels like we are managed by hired hands when wolves are hounding us with every step help us know the direction to run towards you for you call us always and persistently to be one with each other and with you Help us to hear your voice. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you, when you heard Psalm 23, read just a few minutes ago, found yourselves repeating the words along with Richard in whatever version you first learned it. Maybe it was the King James, the Thieves, the Thou's, the, the F of verbs. And maybe your mind returned to the last time you heard Psalm 23, which possibly was at a funeral or a memorial service. <coughs> But you know, in its original setting, Psalm 23 is not a funeral psalm. It's a psalm for worship. So for today, let's lift it out of a context of mourning and hear it through different ears. In fact, let's do an exercise that on this Good Shepherd Sunday, let's read Psalm 23 over Jesus' shoulder appreciating that it is very likely that he grew up just as many of us did 
learning this psalm by heart as a child. So before the gospel writers in the Christian tradition called Jesus the Good Shepherd, let's play with this idea that Jesus knew this psalm maybe as one of his first memory verses, and he would have gotten a prize in the equivalent of Sunday school in the temple where he lived, having memorized it and recited it successfully. As a deeply inquisitive Jewish child, Jesus turned to this psalm as one that he sought to let guide his life. He prayed this prayer as one who trusts the God of Israel as his shepherd, his leader and guide. So this is how, when Jesus gets to be a grown-up and in John's Gospel says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, Jesus is speaking from a place of experience, experiencing the good shepherding of the Lord, his Father, as the shepherd of Israel. As Jesus grew up, I imagined that this psalm guided him in his growing awareness that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and had anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free as he proclaimed that now is the year of the Lord's favor. Our good shepherd was first a good sheep, following the paths of justice and righteousness, even when they led through the valleys of wilderness and temptation. And it's in this part of Jesus' story, of being a good sheep on the way to also being a good shepherd, in the wilderness of struggle and isolation and loneliness, that the relationship of God or spirit or grand mystery comes to a moment of definition and clarity. This happens to all of us eventually. When struggles come, when they come, not if, when our life takes its turn through valleys and shadows, when things come to pass that we fear the most, where do we place our hope? How do we carry on? When we read this psalm over Jesus' shoulder, we also can appreciate the shift that happens because it's a psalm that began talking about God, but it's a prayer that shifts to God in the very place where the sheep leaves those green pastures and calm, still, sparkling waters and ends up in dark valleys. It's the shadowy places, the darkness, the suffering, where we most often find ourselves uttering prayers for help, for mercy, and for relief. As Jesus bore the cross up to Golgotha, he may well have prayed, even though I walk through this darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It takes a sheep's trust in the shepherd 
and the shepherd's voice to get them through the lonesome valley and back onto wide, smooth paths. And so Jesus models for us this process of being good sheep following a good shepherd. As his witness of his hands and feet told us of what happens when you follow the shepherd. But that he too, the shepherd too, will care for us and see us through valleys and then gather us back into places of life and restoration. As I did my studying this week on this psalm, I'm talking to my friend, the rabbi in town, Rabbi Rachel. And she lifted up to me to look into my Jewish study Bible that right directly in the center of this psalm is the answer to the prayer that we sometimes pray. Are you with me, God? Are you even listening? That right in the center of this psalm is for you are with me. 26 words in Hebrew from the first and from the last word appears this phrase, for you are with me. The perfect center to quiet ourselves in. The calm and quiet center. This phrase is how the shepherd for all sheep calls all us sheep together. God is for us. No matter the pens or folds or families or congregations that we're part of. God is with us no matter what. Something that I noticed when Jason and I lived in New England is that a number of the older churches are not described as gathered, excuse me, founded, as many are here. The church signs do not say founded in 1669 or founded in 1731. They say gathered. Gathered in 1669. Gathered in 1731. And there's something different about the notion of being gathered versus being founded. Both have theological traditions and importance and value for each congregation. So I'm not saying we should change how we're worded. I like that we're born in the imagination of the Holy Spirit. But the notion of being gathered comes back to this Sunday, of being good sheep gathered by a good shepherd. And for all the strict, joyless, and solemn characteristics of Puritan New England that I think we can just leave in the Puritan era, there's something beautiful about describing a congregation being gathered together, gathered by the good shepherd who knows each of us by name and who protects us are coming and going. And that is a cause for thanksgiving. For being gathered and known connects us and unites us with the people of God. It doesn't separate us from them. Whether they are part of our familiar fold or not. For it's the voice of the Good Shepherd that we're all drawn to. And we each hear it differently in different languages in different tones. We all respond, and the image is all of us being joined together, gathered into one 
flocks. But as goes the notions of metaphor, there are limits. And you can't much go beyond those limits. So we remember that the purpose of gathering sheep into a sheepfold was for a purpose. And that was not to have worship. It was to fatten them up and then to eat them and sell them at market. So that's our limit of this metaphor. It's not much fun being a gathered sheep. So that's where we stop with the metaphor and walk into reality. Where the metaphor ends and the good news begins is that we are gathered and guarded not for slaughter and to be eaten, but for love, for grace and redemption. We're gathered for grace and by grace to be grace to each other. The writer of 1 John, a paired text for this Sunday that we didn't read, amplifies this vocation of being grace for each other this way. That since God's love abides in us, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. It's a dance, really, of love. A dance of love and mystery of multi-dimensional relationships that run vertical and horizontal and relationally. So that in this psalm, in the person of Jesus, in the beckoning of the Holy Spirit, God's love abides in us as we abide in God's love. This is the promise that will be with us when times are hard and when times are filled with joy and gladness and abundance. But here now, a quick commercial of caution about these joyful, glad, abundant times. That when we find ourselves in places of abundance, with a table spread with food and cups that overfloweth, it can be tempting to think we need to go get some bigger cups to hold all the goodness we have from God, not to let it spill or let a single drop go to waste. But let's remember what Jesus did, our good brother sheep, at those banquet tables of abundance. He told stories about inviting outcasts to the table, inviting those who were economically housing and food insecure to the table, and then assuaging any fears of the host of running out of food or water or wine or space with words like, let them come. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these, the least of these, and there I am among you. When we remember what Jesus does with abundance at the table, God's grace pursues us not to go get bigger cups, but go get more cups, so that those around our tables, the enemies and neighbors and friends, can start sharing stories around the table and receive the nourishment in the abundance of God's feast and relationship together. For in God we all have enough. 
and the promise that we are never left to face life alone teaches us how to trust one another as the abundant love of God flows through our lives. So as Jesus constantly made room at the tables where he sat and ate with religious leaders, as he worked miracles on remote hillsides to ensure that thousands ate their fill, we see our good shepherd modeling how to love those in need, making room and gathering all to himself so that all of us might pray the truth of the psalm, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord our whole lives long. Amen.